For those of you who have not been here before, we are going through the Bible in five years period of time. And what we do is we read the Bible together as a congregation six days a week. And um, then our sermon is based upon our readings that we've done during the week. Now you can get a schedule of our readings over at the information desk. It has our schedule for the entire year and tells you exactly where we're at in the Bible. Right now we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Or you can also follow us along on our YouTube uh, channel. You can go to youtube.com backslash Heights Christian Church. Click subscribe and the bell and, and you'll get the devotionals that we do because what we do is we read the, the word of God that we're doing, but we add kind of a devotional aspect to it uh, when we do it online. And that helps kind of apply those scriptures on a daily basis for you. So we would love for you to follow along with us. How many of you read this week? We read Deuteronomy 26 through 30. How many of you read? Sweet. Okay, so some of these passages are very familiar to us. You know, when we get to Deuteronomy 28, 29, 30, where we have the blessing, we have the cursings, we have the, the offer of life that has been brought forth before the people of Israel, that God has placed before them life and death, obedience and disobedience to his commands, and they, he implores them to choose life. Um, and yet, that's not where we're going to spend our time today. Actually, we're going to spend our time today from the first part of our reading. Uh, passages that go overlooked and are sometimes ignored. And so, um, we're going to be really focusing in today on Deuteronomy 26. And from a sermon that, that is titled today, Is a Planned Response Valid? Is a Planned Response Valid? valid. You know, how many of you have ever worked in the retail or food industry? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever been a server or somebody who checks out or stuff like that? One of the things that that you will get from those people, they'll be told, hey, we're promoting blank. We want you to promote blank to the customers that you see, whether you're in the checkout or, or stuff like that. And you know what? As As somebody who worked in retail, I didn't like it when I was told I had to promote something. How many of you felt, feel the same way? Raise your hand. Okay, it's like, I don't like, I don't want to promote this. I don't need, you know, if you're in the food industry, I don't even like that dish. Why would I promote it, right? So sometimes we're asked to, to do those things. And so we go to our tables and we say, would you like the all-you-can-eat fish and shrimp, you know, things. I don't even like the shrimp here, but whatever. Um, you know, would you like to do that? Because... The businesses are wanting you to really hone in on this particular dish for this time of, type of year or something like that. And so you'll hear, and I've been hearing this a lot, you know, you drive up to Taco Bell and they'll say, do you want to round up for our educational stuff? We have scholarships for the people in Taco Bell, you know, uh, as far as that goes. And whether you say yes or no, we're getting hit up with that a lot, right? Or the Children's Miracle Network, if you're over at Walmart or, you know, a bazillion other things that we're hearing this time of year. Um, when I was at the bank, the bank wanted me to push credit cards. I hated that, by the way. I hated trying to push credit cards. But it was something they said, it's important because your, incentive, your incentives and your bonuses or whatever come off of how many of these that, that you are able to get others to sign up for. And so you can walk them over to the other side and have one of the loan officers sign them up for a credit card and all that good stuff. You know, 
the reason that we were asked to do it, it was, was that it's effective. It's effective to either get people to donate to the causes that the businesses wished to highlight or to buy certain products that the businesses thought was valuable for their bottom line. So you'd hear those phrases over and over and over again. You're tired of hearing them. But if it didn't work, they wouldn't do it. You know that? If they, if they had determined that you pushing that product or you pushing that, that donation to that charity that they wanted focused in on didn't work, if they lost money every single time they did it, they wouldn't do it anymore. But the fact of the matter is, it earns a lot of money to be able to do those things, even if only one out of a hundred people say yes to it. Pretty wild to think about that, right? And that makes it worthwhile for you to say it every single time to every single customer, even though you're tired of saying it after the second one. Well, the truth of the matter is, when we got into Deuteronomy, it was very interesting because God asked of the people of Israel in two different areas a response from them that was kind of a what I would call a canned response, right? It would be, be a response that these are the things that they're supposed to respond to and say in response to something that they were supposed to do. Interesting stuff. It was their testimony and their giving. Kind of weird, huh? That their testimony was a specific response before the Lord. And yet it was. So let's take a look at it together real quick. Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 26. We're going to read the first 11 verses together. It says this, when you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have had taken possession of it and settled in it, Take some of the first fruits of all, that you, of all your produce from the soil, the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, and say to the priest in office at that time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. And then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Armenian. And he went, at, he went out, uh, went down to Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. 
what an interesting thing. So I have the first fruits that I'm going to give. And when I come and give that to the priest, I'm basically going to give the testimony of what God has done for the people of Israel to bring us out and into the land of promise so that I never forget. So we have this running testimony that God has commanded his people to do. And it comes with a script. They know exactly what to say. It's something that they're going to do over and over and over again as they bring these first fruits every year before the Lord. This is what they're going to do and they're going to give it to the priests and they're going to give testimony of what God has done exactly as God has told them to do it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but something about canned presentations seem kind of hard for me to deal with. I don't know about you. I can tell when somebody's given a canned presentation, can't you? They're on a script, right? Knocking them off the script is, is something that some of us enjoy doing. <laughs> Let's just be honest, okay? <laughs> I know you got your spiel. I know you're going to say this. This is what you're going to do. And here I am. And I'm here just to see if I can get you off of that script. You're going to try and sell me this. I'm going to try and get you off that script. You're trying to talk to me about this. I, I'm going to try and get you off that script. So how, who are? Come on. Admit it, if you get a sick joy out of doing something like that, raise your hand. Okay. There's something about that whole idea of a canned presentation. And here God is saying, this is the, these are the things I want to say to you because it's by way of reminder so that the people won't forget what God has done for them. They're having to say it again. Here, I'm going to say it so the generation doesn't, doesn't forget. So I don't forget next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that of why we do these things. Because God has delivered us from the hand of Egypt, from the oppression. And he heard our cry and he delivered us into this good land which I am now in and these are the first fruits of this land that I am now giving you and it's to bow down and to worship him and some of us would have a problem with that it seems very liturgical doesn't it it really does and and because we're a protestant church there's not a whole lot of liturgy that we go through right do you know I did some research on this really interesting stuff so the guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, okay? John Bunyan, right? And so, did you know that he was thrown in jail for 12 years because he would not recite the Book of Common Prayer from, from the Anglican Church? Did you guys know that? Because his whole thing was, guess what? I don't want to read prayers that are pre-done ahead of time. I believe that, that the spirit of God moves within the, the spirit of man and we offer up before the Lord that which is fresh and righteous and true. That's very interesting history that I learned in the midst of that. I don't know that has anything to do with my sermon other than, wasn't that cool? That liturgy, right, that, that we have we sometimes look back on because of that Protestant upbringing saying we are so individualistic and here is liturgy that God says I want you as the people of Israel to be a part of on a yearly basis. You're going to say these things. You're going to give this testimony concerning my goodness so you don't forget. 
First Peter 3.15 tells us that we are supposed to give an answer for the hope that we have within us, but to do so with gentleness and respect. How many of you have ever memorized or known what would be called the Romans Road or the Romans Road to Salvation? How many of you have ever done that? Raise your hand. A few of you? Basically, honestly, this is just liturgy, right? In the form of witnessing in our modern day time. So if you've never taken the Romans Road before, the Romans Road is, is just an opportunity for us to be able to lead people to understand who Jesus is based upon verses that are found throughout the book of Romans to make it very easy for us to do. But it's very, I'm going to say it, liturgical. You know why? Because we walk through those same scriptures every single time we walk somebody through that. So I got, a, uh, got an article from Got Questions talking about what is the Roman road to salvation. Because some of you are like, well, I've heard of it, but I don't know it. Okay, well, let's walk through. How could I teach somebody about Jesus? Because that's our witness, right? For the Israelites, their witness was God delivering them from Egypt by the mighty hand of God, and therefore they put their, their hope and trust in him, and that's why they're offering these first fruits before the Lord, because he has delivered them. For you and me as believers in Jesus Christ, we serve Jesus and we tell others about Jesus because of what God has done for us. But do we know what God has done for us? Do we know where we're to find that? Well, that is found throughout the book of Romans. And so if you've never done that before, we're going to walk through it together. Just reading this article from What is the Romans Road to Salvation from God's Questions. The Romans Road to Salvation is a way of explaining the good news of salvation using verses from the book of Romans. The Romans Road is a simple yet powerful method of explaining why we need salvation, how God provided salvation, how we can receive salvation, and what the results of salvation are. The first verse on the Romans road to salvation is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all done things that are displeasing to God. There's no one who is innocent. Romans 3.10-18 gives a detailed picture of what sin looks like in our lives. The second scripture on the Romans road to salvation is Romans 6.23a. Whenever you hear a, it just means the first part of the verse. And it teaches us about the consequences of sin. For the wages of sin is death. The punishment that we have earned for our sins is death. No, not just physical death, but eternal death. The third, verse on the, the third verse on the Romans' road to salvation picks up in the middle of Romans 6, 23b. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8 declares, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus' death paid for the price of our sins. Jesus' resurrection proves that God accepted Jesus' death as a payment for our sins. The fourth stop on the Romans road to salvation is Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because of Jesus' death on our behalf, all we have to do is believe in him, trusting in his death as the payment for our sins. And we will be saved. Romans ten thirteen says it again, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins and to rescue us from eternal death. Salvation, the forgiveness of sins, is available to anyone who will trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The final aspect of the Romans' road to salvation is the results of salvation. Romans 5.1 has this wonderful message. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we can have a relationship of peace with God. Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus' death on our behalf, we will never be condemned for our sins. Finally, we have this precious promise of God from Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's really interesting because this article goes on to say this after it's given this, this is the Romans road to salvation. All of those scriptures, everything that's there is found in the book of Romans. It's, it's a map, if you will, and it would be helpful for all of us as believers to understand that map so we could point others that way. But it ends, this article ends this way. It says, would you like to follow the Romans' road to salvation? If so, here's a simple prayer you can pray to God. And saying this prayer is a way to declare to God that you're relying upon Jesus Christ for your salvation. The words themselves will not save you. Only faith in Jesus Christ can provide salvation. God, I know that I've sinned against you and I'm deserving of punishment. But Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in him I could be forgiven. With your help, I place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful grace and forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. Amen. And if you go to the website and you look up this article and you read it all the way down, it then says, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, click on this button. Do you know why? Because saying those things, even what seems canned and rote still has people respond to the gift of salvation in Jesus because the word of God is living and active. Do you believe that? This is why the people of Israel were told by God, I want you repeating this over and over and over again. It's so important. So you and I, Guess what we need to do a little bit more of? We need to learn some canned presentations of the gospel, don't we? Does it make it less valid because it's canned? No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. How many people are saved through canned presentations of the gospel? Even if that number were as slim as the number of people who bought that new product that your business was telling you, say it over again and again and again and again, or donated to the charity that your business wanted them to, people that you and I have offered it again and again and again and again to every single person, the people that you and I have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ for, if it's only one in a hundred, I'm going to rejoice over that one that says yes, over that canned presentation wouldn't you we gotta get good at sharing our canned presentation about jesus christ that's why i have that so anybody who wants this i'll make copies for you 
or you can go online and find it yourself. But we should be good, getting good at it. You know why? Because the words are true, whether they sound canned or not, because they come from the Word of God. Deuteronomy, the testimony of the people of Israel, that what they were supposed to say before God was true. Every single year they recited it. No matter if they recited it with great fervor or they did it in a monotone voice. The word of God is living and active. Do you believe it? So that's the first area. Therefore, I believe every, every believer should be able to lead people through an understanding of their need for salvation through the scriptures. Romans Road is a great way to do it. They should also be able to share their own journey, right? This whole idea of, yes, these things are true about every person who is condemned because of their own sin. I was condemned because of my own sin. And I needed a savior and Jesus came and saved me. We should be able to share that with other people. It shouldn't just be an assignment that we read from Romans that we can walk them through. We should know the theological underpinnings of it by all means. But we should also know what Jesus has done for us that affirms the very things that we're saying in those verses in Romans. Wouldn't you agree? I know that when Mark did missions trips, they encouraged them to have three things. A 30-second testimony, a one-minute testimony, and I believe a five-minute testimony. Is that right, Shannon? She can't remember. But those of you who've gone on those mission trips, you know, sometimes you only get to share just for a few seconds with somebody. You need a 30-second testimony. Would that help you and me today if we had a 30-second testimony ready at the grocery store? Person in front of us where we could have a a quick opportunity to share about the goodness of, of Jesus Christ? I think it would, right? Or one minute testimony, maybe get a little bit longer, standing in the aisle, looking over your Quaker oats, right? Wouldn't that be good? Or maybe you get into a deeper conversation and you have an opportunity to really share about the things that God has done. To have a five-minute testimony, maybe it leads to a longer conversation. You and I should be good about sharing those things. You know, out front... We have those flyers that we had printed at the beginning of the year. There's still lots of them out there. They're printed for a reason. Because if you hand them out, somebody somewhere might come. I know that this is true because when we did the mailers that had those same flyers that were out there, we have people who are a part of this congregation now because those flyers were sent out there. You and I need to start handing those out a little bit more readily so that people can come to know Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if it looks canned. You know why? Because the word of God is living and active. You're going to have that opportunity to share. So my, my challenge to all of you, it's Christmas time. We're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to be in Romans, man. Isn't that going to be awesome? We're going to be in the very place. That, we've got the Romans road to salvation happening this Christmas. Go hand out those flyers. Tell your neighbors. Tell your co-workers. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Let them get sick of seeing that flyer. Are you going to hand me another flyer? Yeah. Are you going to come? Because we're going to be hearing from the word of God and it's living and active. The second area 
that we said, that we looked at concerning this, that becomes kind of rote, which is kind of weird. It's their, their giving. It wasn't just their testimony, it was their giving. So if we look at the second half of this uh, section right here, Deuteronomy 26, verses 12 through 15, it says this. And when you finish setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you've commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy place, your, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to our forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. How interesting that the second rote confession comes with their giving. I find that very interesting that they're going to go and these are the things that they're supposed to say. They are supposed to give testimony to the truthfulness of what they have given. I'm giving you all the tithe. I'm giving you everything. You know, today we have all these apps that have come out with our automated way of paying. How many of you bill pay in an automated way? Raise your hand. How many of you tithe that way? I mean, we have this over here. So, you know, do your gifts of giving for the church that way. I do. So, you know, it's been a blessing. There are blessings that come with that. Because it used to be before we had these apps, before we had this way of giving, that when people went on vacation, they'd just forget their tithe. Not because they wanted to, but they would just forget. Because they never gave. They would go like, oh, I went on vacation. I totally forgot what I was going to give. And so... We're good, right? And that would just happen. We would have to plan in our budget, seriously, every year, about 10% off of what everybody was there because we knew you guys were going to be out of the church 10% of the time, and that 10% of the time you weren't here because you weren't physically here to give in, in a check or money form, it most of the time didn't make it into the offering. I'm blaming you. This isn't a blame game. I'm not, nobody, nobody said that. He's talking, I didn't give enough. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that's what naturally kind of happens, right? Went on vacation, didn't think about it. We came back and we just gave what we normally did. But that giving was not there as a result of it. Now we got a different issue with the apps because we bill pay everything, right? And how many of you renew subscriptions to stuff? Raise your hand. Through, through those types of things. Some of you do, some of you don't. But now they have apps that are out there that try to help you find out what subscriptions you've still got subscribed to that you're no longer using. Because maybe it's a yearly thing. You didn't think about it. So every year this gets deducted from your account. And it's like, I haven't used that in four years. Why am I still paying this? We have apps to help us understand what we've committed ourselves to. How crazy is that, right? We have apps to make things easier, and then the apps have made things so easy that we're paying more because they're not easier, and now we have to get another app to make things more easier for us. I don't understand all of that. So, 
So what happens here is the Israelite had the temptation because they didn't have to give their tithe. But once every three years. Can you imagine that temptation? This money that this um, this money this, for them the money was crops the crops and everything that was set aside for God for three years. Okay, the Lord has blessed me. This is for God. This is for God. This is all for God. This is for God. For three years you're holding on to it before you bring it down to Jerusalem to give, so that the Levite would have you know, in his home, so that the widow would have in their home, so that the poor would have in their home. That, that's why it was given, for the community. But, man, what a temptation, right? That you would have all of that abundance right there to be given to God and be like, oh, God wouldn't miss it if I just took this little bit, right? Or this little bit. And this is why you have this confession that God has before them, this oath that says, I haven't taken any of this. This has all been for God. I have faithfully set it aside so that when I give it, I give a testimony that everything that that I have promised to give God under, under the commandment for the people of Israel, I'm doing it. Now, we can look through the history of Israel and realize they didn't always do that. But this was supposed to be part of that heart check when they went and gave this to, to the priests and they were giving the whole of the tithe. To the, people who were, to the people who were there because the Levites were dependent upon that. The ministry, of, the ministry of the tabernacle was dependent upon the giving of the people because they had no place of their own. Now, we're not under that today. Just so you guys understand. Nobody needs to take a tenth of your crops and bring them in every three years. But we are still called to give because giving is how the ministry within the church is still supported. And if we look in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, I want to take a, a look at just a couple of the verses there. We, we see that this type of generosity is what God commands us today. And it's important for us to take from these principles to understand how we're supposed to give as God designs us to give today. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 10 through 12 says this, and here's my advice about what is best for you to do in this manner. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So the first thing is this, you can't give what you don't have. You can't do it. According to the scripture, we look right here and Paul is saying, well, you want to complete this gift, you want to give this giving, you, you have to give what you have, you ha- can't give what you don't have. What you give, if you give what you have, that is acceptable enough before God. But it does no good to say, you know what? I love God so much. If I had a million dollars, I'd give it to him. Well, that's a great sentiment. But it doesn't really do anything, does it? Writing down a a check that you can't afford 
is not what I read in the scripture as being biblical. It is acceptable to give what you have, not what you don't have. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't plan to give God amazing things. But when actual giving comes, it's based on what you do have, not what you hope to have. Right? So that's the first thing. Second thing is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, a couple of things I want to point out from this, this section of Scripture right now. It says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But there is no promise that if you give, we actually talked about this in our new members class, there's no promise that if you give God, he's going he's gonna to multiply it sevenfold. There's nothing in the scripture that's talking about that. It's not talking about a material blessing. As a matter of fact, this section of scripture actually ends in talking about that God will provide what you need, not what you want. So it's important to understand that. It's saying that what we sow according to the will of God in the kingdom of God, we will reap according to the will of God and the kingdom of God. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. If your treasure's on earthly things, then you're only going to reap on earthly things, right? But if your treasure's in heaven, then, dude, let me tell you something. I I shared this during the new members class, and TJ's right here. Doug wouldn't trade a million dollars for what he got to do last week with Riley Woody. What a blessing have Doug up there to baptize Riley in the Lord. What a blessing all of us have that opportunity. But you know what? If we sow only to earthly things, we don't see that type of reaping of blessing. God wants us invested in other people's lives so that they might know Jesus Christ. And so when we give, we give generously to the things of the Lord that we might reap generously according to the things of the Lord. And that's where the blessing is. Make no mistake. But notice what it says, that nobody should give reluctantly. If you're like, I'm not talking about it doesn't hurt to give. Sometimes you want to give and it's just a hard thing to get used to. That's different. It's talking reluctantly, like I don't want to give this. Then I would tell you, according to the scripture, don't give it. Or under compulsion, as if we're going to emotionally manipulate you. If that happens, you shouldn't do it, according to the Scripture. But they should do so with a willing and generous heart, a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. I want to give because this is what God wants me to do. I'm convicted about it. I want to do this because I want to invest in the things of God so I can reap in the things of God. I give generously for that reason. important for us to give. Speaking about automation, a few years ago our church got automated. Woohoo! I already told you, some of the benefit of that was that when people went on vacation, things that they wanted to do, they got to fulfill, right? I don't want to forget my tithes while I'm on vacation. I don't want to get my offering on vacation. 
So now they don't. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But then we forget about it. And times change and things go on. And I don't know how you guys give in, in your family and how when you get into those conversations about it. But a lot changes in five years. You might earn more than you did five years ago. But if we forgot about it and our giving's the same and you wanted to give more, well then we've been on cruise control not thinking about it. And it's important that we go back and think about it again. Not because of any other reason, but our desire was we wanted to give more, and now we're making more and we're not giving more. So maybe we need to give a little bit more. I think it'd be good for once a year for families who have the automated stuff, giving, to turn around and say, hey, where are we at? What are we doing? Are we good with this? Do we want to give more? Do we want to give less? What can we afford? Let's pray through so that we can know that God is honored and we're not just on cruise control doing this. There are some people who held off on the automation for a long period of time because they said, you know what? I like writing the checks because I make it, I feel it every single time I do it. Not necessarily in a bad way, like, oh, this hurts so bad, but, but more like I feel what I'm, I understand what it is that I'm doing, right? You know, one of the things I love about our church is the generosity of our church. We've already given 61 boxes, 62 boxes, you know, for Operation Christmas Child. We're going to be given to missionaries and just, you know, as soon as we get the missions tree up after we do the hanging of the greens. Our church has been exceptionally generous and we're very thankful for that. I've seen more giving this year personally, individually by lots of people than I could ever hope to imagine. And for that, I say thank you. You guys have been a huge, huge blessing. I do want to share with you something, you know, as we, we come to this message right here, like I said, we got two things going on. We got our witness and we got giving and God required of the people of Israel a response for both. Even this day, we still have that same response. Not quite the same as the people of Israel, but you know what? We're still called to share our faith, to make disciples of all nations and to give generously. And there's need for giving generously right now for our church. And, and I want to share with you very honestly because it's going to come up when we get to our, our budgetary time. Elders don't know I'm sharing this, but I'm sharing it anyway. Ha! So we're running short on the daycare side of things really bad. And it has nothing to do with unfaithfulness on the elders' part. It has to do with things that have been put into place beyond our control. The... Uh, Government, the governor, especially here in New Mexico, I'm not trying to get political, I'm stating facts that are affecting us as a, as a daycare and a congregation. Our governor had put forth this thing that was supposed to make things easier for families to get daycare. But they've hurt all the daycares, not just faith-based ones, but regular ones. Because as a result of it, copays that were supposed to make up the difference between what the state would pay and what we have charged as, as, as a daycare, we're now being told we can't collect those. And it's been that way all year. Am I correct? It's supposed to end in August, but it didn't end in August because they extended it. It's just theft. It's all it is. And we're unfortunately hitting, getting the end of that. And it's 
at this rate, I think uh, David has said that it's somewhere between one hundred and eighty to two hundred thousand dollars that it's cost us in revenue. Just to let you know, those are real numbers. They affect real people. They're going to affect our daycare, and we're going to have to find some way of getting past that. And we're working at it right now. We need your help in giving. We don't ask very often from the pulpit concerning stuff like this because we just believe in teaching biblically through here. But it's part of our obligation as a congregation to realize what's going on. If I knew that the church was hurting this bad, I would have helped out more, right? I mean, so unless we tell you, you don't know. (laughs) And if you don't know, you're not going to give, right? But we want you to give cheerfully. We want you to give willingly. And we want you to recognize some of the challenges that we're facing this year not because of unfaithfulness on our part, but because of things that are beyond our control and circumstance. And we're not just going to let it lie like this, but we think it's important for you guys to know what's happening here. The biggest thing for this, because I believe this ultimately is a spiritual attack and not just a government edict attack, is to get our eyes off of telling others about Jesus. In the end, What we need are people here who have been changed by Jesus Christ. That's only going to happen when you and I go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us. It should be a motivation for us, not so that we get more money in this church, but to realize that we need to value the things that God values. That the thing that he values most are changed souls for the life of Jesus Christ. As a result of those things, people will give. And these other, th- other things that we're dealing with now, with, with now, God will cause to go away. But the focus should be, first and foremost, about those changed lives that need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The other shared for you so you know what's going on in your church. So that you have the opportunity to give as God would want you to give. Generously and not out of compulsion. And not reluctantly. And with what you have and not with what you don't have. Okay? But our mission is to share Christ to the world. My prayer for you today is that I would love to see all of those little cards that are out front that have been sitting there for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks gone because you're going to hand them out to somebody who needs to know Jesus and needs to be here next week to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us sow generously that we might reap generously the things of God. Would you stand and pray with me? God, thank you so much for our time together today. And thank you. Thank you that you use even canned presentations of the gospel to grow your kingdom. Help us, O oh Lord, be good at delivering those canned presentations, Lord. Give us the courage to reach out to others around us who need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Help us to sow generously into the kingdom of God that we might reap generously into that same kingdom and treasure the changed lives for Jesus Christ more than manna. In Jesus' name, amen.